Hey everyone, this is Chris and Sandy Benton with The Chris and Sandy Show. We get up close and personal with some amazing guests throughout the entertainment industry. And today, like I say on every episode, we got a great one for you. Who do we have? We have Colin Egglesfield today. He is an actor, author, and entrepreneur who grew up in the south suburbs of Chicago, having crafted a successful acting career working on hit television shows such as All My Children, Melrose Place, and The Client List. He has also starred opposite the likes of Kate Hudson, Gary Oldman, and Sylvester Stallone. And we're excited to have him on the show today. Welcome to the show, Colin. Yes, welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah. So as you know, we're in a crazy time right now with COVID. So how yes. has COVID affected you personally? And what have you done to maneuver through this crazy maze we have? Yeah, it has been crazy, hasn't it? It's, it uh, has. Definitely. It has really tested us on uh, what it is that we, what what's important to us, what we care about. Uh, it's tested our resiliency Mm -hmm. It has uh, it, it has really changed the entertainment industry in a lot of ways, and um, it has uh, in a lot of ways made me rethink, have to rethink, and similar many other actors like myself have to rethink like what is our career and our livelihoods going to look like over the next few years. Um, so things are slowly starting to get back in to production in Hollywood and uh, in other places, mm -hmm. obviously in Atlanta is a big hotbed for filming and production. Um, I actually filmed a movie in Savannah, Georgia, where you guys are at. I filmed a movie oh, yeah. with Sylvester Stallone there a few years yeah. ago called Backtrace. Um, oh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. But uh, what I've done personally is I have taken all, of the, all the things that I've learned in my acting classes, and I wrote a book two years ago. It's called Agile Artist. And I have turned the book into video modules and I call it my inspire life mastery. Uh, it's like an eight week course in everything that I've learned in my acting oh, classes wow. and working with some of the best actors, directors, producers, and going to like Tony Robbins seminars and everything that is all about human development and helping us live our best lives. Yeah. I yeah. into these video modules because I know how to present. I know how to be on camera and I put together this course called camera ready uh, as well, which teaches people how to be more confident in front of the camera. I used to be terrified getting up in front of people. Yeah. She told me she would never do it. You know, when we first started the yeah. show, it was an audio show and she said she would never do yeah. video. And here oh, yeah. we are. I did yeah. say that. Oh my God. But... What are people going to think of me? What are like, do I look stupid? Exactly. Exactly. You know, how often have you listened to yourself on your, uh, your voicemail and be like, Oh, is that how I really sound? <laughs> Oh my God, that was like, me. You know, yeah. or like taking selfies. You're like, okay, wait, can we do that again? Like, I just look horrible. Mm -hmm. So it really yeah. comes down to really getting connected to what message you want to be putting out there into the world. And what is it? What impact do you want to have on the world? Because obviously we're not going to be here forever. And the experiences that we have in life, that we all have had tragedy and experiences that have defined who we are. And those experiences can either make us or break us. Yeah. And mm -hmm. a lot of the times we have, we gain courage, we gain wisdom, we gain insight in all of these experiences that we have in life. And uh, that's what compelled me to write the book and to share my experiences with, you know, with younger actors and how I got to be able to work in Hollywood. Uh, 
you know, I, I, as much as I love working and being on the red carpet, what I derive a lot of fulfillment out of is having positive impact on other people's lives and sharing with them yeah. some tools awesome. and insights and strategies that I've learned along the way to help make their lives better. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah, and, oh, and, and, and yeah, really with the whole COVID, you know, when we first launched the show, January mm -hmm. 2020, and we had no idea what was coming. Our original plan was to do maybe a hundred interviews. Yes, we and, thought that would be and a we lot thought that would time. be a lot. And it's funny because we started it as an up-and-coming country artist interview show. That's the roots. Of That's the, show, the roots yeah. of the show. Then mm. COVID happens, and as I watched the entertainment industry start to shut down, I told Sandy, you know, as much as we don't want our country to go under. Right. There's a solid opportunity here for us. You know, you know, a show that's brand new would probably get people on that normally wouldn't come on. Because mm -hmm. what are y'all doing? Nothing. And I'm <laughs> Yeah, singers couldn't be out on tour. And next at the thing time. we know, I just reached out to everybody. We bought in one of them lists where, you know, to get all the agents net names and stuff of people. And we've reached yeah. out to everybody from Brad Pitt to Blake. But to Blake Shelton, yeah, everybody. and everybody in between, and everybody in between, and we ended up doing over three hundred interviews last year, and we wow. thought a hundred was going to be tough. We did, <laughs> and, but awesome. it was. But COVID's one of them things that where, like you said earlier, you know, whatever tragedy you have in your life, you can either it's either going to make or break you. We chose to have it make us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of opportunity whenever things change in life. A lot of people fear change. And the reason why I titled my book Agile Artist be, mm. is because mm -hmm. as actors, we never know when our next job is coming up. We don't have financial security. We don't have a whole lot of um, of say in how we get hired and that sort of thing. So how do we adapt to constant change, constant uncertainty in our life? And that's what I've I write about in my book with regards to how our brains work, how our brains need and crave certainty in our life mm -hmm. and how we can actually create that for ourselves and create an empowering perspective on life. So that when we like as actors, what I learned is in order for me to walk into an audition and be authentically believable as that character, mm -hmm. I have to create and construct the character's identity so that I'm believable when I walk into the room. And yeah. after going yeah. 2,000 auditions wow. in the past 20 wow. years of my career, after doing the calculations you know, in my book, I realized doing all of this character analysis and doing these auditions, I realized, well, if I'm creating myself to be this character in this audition, why can't, why can't I create myself to be a motivational speaker in my real life? Why can't I create myself to be an entrepreneur in my real yeah. life? Yeah. And these are the things that I realize that we don't have to be defined or limited by the beliefs by one role. that mm -hmm. we grew up with or based on where you were born or what religion you believe in or what your parents or your teachers taught you. And this yeah. has been a very freeing, liberating experience for me. Wow. And over the past year, this I've essentially written the book and I've, I'm doing my courses now that uh, kind of put all this into like a, a nice little package for people to be able to, to look at and digest and hopefully be inspired by. 
And you know what's cool about all that is, you know, about motivational speaking and all that, you know, for years, ever since, you know, in fact, I wanted to be a motivational speaker. And you know, what my, my first spot of that was actually the Amway business. Yes. <laughs> and and I wanted to be on that stage. I was like, oh, that would be awesome. That was his dream from and, when and, I met him. And her dream was to be in music entertainment in some way. Yes. Little I did we know, so 18 years later after we married, we would be doing a show where I get to speak and she gets to get her music and entertainment fix all at the same time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> we just, you just yeah. never know. And, and see, and we've done, you know, you're talking about, you know, trying this and trying that we've probably failed. And I guess we've, of course we learned something from each, yes, each value, but we probably fun. failed in over a hundred different business ideas to get us here. At least. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you only, you learn by doing, you know, and a lot of people say, whenever I talk to like a younger actor, mm -hmm. I, I teach an acting class as well. And a lot of the times what they say is, well, I just, I wish I had more confidence. I, I wish I, I was more confident in my auditions. I wish like uh, when I got on yeah. set, I was more confident and like, I just, I need to get more confidence and I'll say, well, where do you get it? Where do you get confidence? Like, how can you, how can you get it? Yeah. And yeah. What I, when I by doing really it. looked at it is that you get confidence from the knowledge about something when you know more about it, when you mm, know yes. enough about it to be able to like teach it. Mm -hmm. And when you have the experience of experiencing of the experience of what it is to do whatever it is that, so like if we're talking about acting, when I first started acting, I immersed myself in the acting books and watching no. the actor's studio and just <laughs> educating myself and understanding as much information about it. But until you get on the stage and actually start practicing and putting it into, yep. into action, with, with those two things, the knowledge and the experience, that's where you're going to get your confidence. And mm. you can work on the knowledge part right away. Yeah, and, yeah, because it's with the internet. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, and so, over the past three hundred episodes that you guys have doing have been doing over four hundred now. Four hundred now. Yeah, now four. Like I guarantee you, if you look back at the first few episodes that you did, your interviewing skills, I'm sure, are like light years ahead. You <laughs> probably are more comfortable, and it all it all just it comes from doing What's it funny is my beginning ones because i had to learn because i like to talk so i had to a learn lot, as you can tell i had to learn when to talk when not to talk did. where i don't overshadow the guests because we we had our beginning shows we had several that went an hour and a half wow <laughs> i finally honed it down to 40 45 minutes on average but it took a lot to figure out okay um yeah. it didn't work there don't <laughs> Pretty much, he had to learn to talk less, and I had to learn yeah. to talk more. So we're been working on that. We've come yeah. a long way. Yeah, it's a skill, and like anything else, you know, it requires a bit of study, a bit of immersion. And so, one of the things that I find fascinating is the subject of love and relationships. Oh, and yeah. you know, if you want to become a doctor you go to medical school. If you want to right. become a journalist, you go to journalism school. You learn how to do it so that when you get out of school, 
you at least have the knowledge and then you start practicing it and you get the experience. But the problem with love and relationships is that where do you go to get the knowledge? I mean, we all have the experience of being in relationships, but we don't always have the knowledge in order to be able to navigate the minefields. There's a lot of knowledge is out there well, now because of the internet. I mean, cause we, we, um, for years and we still do this, uh, we have access to right now media and they do a lot of sermons and stuff for okay. marriage. Yeah, marriage. And, and, and so, so for for many years, we would listen to five, ten hours a week on just marriage stuff. Oh, and that tremendously helped. Amazing. That helped yeah. our marriage. Yeah. Learning the knowledge, it, it all helps. And you so can't how long? It. How long have you guys been married? Eighteen years. Eighteen years. So, what's the secret to a successful marriage? You know. Oh, wow. I've been wanting to write a book on this, but it would take it would take somebody's. Uh, I wish I could um, get Rick Warren to give me permission for this because I would love to write a book called um, um, "Purpose Driven Marriage." Because I believe that a marriage, when God brings two people together, and we were Christians, that yeah. you know that it's the two are supposed to become one, and there's like one mission, one purpose that the two yeah, have. shared purpose, and like like with our show, this is our shared purpose, it and is. we've always done things together, and and again, not everybody agrees with this, but I've always believed that when you've got that one mission, that purpose going the same direction, that's outside of kids, because that's kids is a given. Yes, that's you know, a given. That's that a, I purpose. think the purpose is everything within the marriage because you we we've got a lot of friends that divorce. And I always tell Sandy, before the final divorce happens, I always say, you know, they're going to divorce. And nine times out of ten, I'm right. Because I, I watch people yeah. and you start seeing them wander. Both yeah, wander, there's always signs. And, and, and the wanderness in the wilderness is where you lose focus. Because, you know, the worst thing for a marriage is when you have um, exhaustion or boredom. Both of those two things will destroy the intimacy in the marriage. But when you have those together, and I think you can only have those when you have a shared vision and shared purpose, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. My mom was a family therapist and she described relationships as there's the two people in the relationship, but then there's the relationship itself, which is similar to a plant or a tree where yeah. you, you have to water the relationship. So it's not just about doing things for each other. Right. It's doing things for the relationship that is going to help yes. support the success of the relationship. So it's making those dedicated date nights and doing the things that you know are in service of, I don't necessarily want to go to your mother-in-law's birthday party, <laughs> but I'm going to go because it is yeah. in service of our relationship. And, mm -hmm. and I think that's where people can get tripped up where they're like, well, you didn't do this for me. And I did, I did the laundry and you didn't yep. take out the garbage. And oh, yes. un oh, unmet expectations. Those, yeah. those unmet expectations will kill a marriage and, oh, and any yeah. relation, really mm -hmm. even a business relationship. If you've got two partners at a business and one feels like they're doing all the work, mm -hmm. there's going to be issues. And then there's no communication about the unmet expectations. And, and that, that makes, makes it worse. worse. Yeah. Did you guys, <laughs> when you first met and decided to get married, did you talk about expectations? 
you talk about? Well, all we had was the, see, we actually met online back in February 2nd of 02. Yeah. The early and days. The early, the before, you know, as I, as I always say, it was taboo back then. Yeah. In 2002. And, and, um, all, all we had was the phone because she was in Kentucky. I was in Georgia and we end up, um, I think we spent maybe not even 20 days face to face together before we right. married. Cause, cause we met February 2nd. We talked on the phone February 4th. We set a wedding date February 18th and we met in person March 4th. So we were meeting in person to see who we were going to marry. We just, wow. but it was eight months later on October 5th of 02 when we married. But you know, a lot of people, yeah. they date and they, so they can be glossed over. Because, you know, dating, you show your best self and all that. Right. You don't you see the flaws. We, all we had was communication because we had the phone. So, that I mean, when it. you spend four or five hours a night on the phone every night, back when it was expensive for phone calls, then you end up talking about every issue that there is because eventually you run out of things to say. So we, just, we talked about everything. So by the time we married, we knew each other in and out. Now, granted, we still had our fair share of struggles because I went through 19 years of addictions until 13 years ago. But the first five years marriage was hectic on her because of those addictions. But mm -hmm. that saved our marriage when I feel like God healed me from those addictions. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So it's been a crazy journey. And, and and then, of course, we get people like you on the show and we just at night pinch ourselves like, can you believe we that we get to do this? Oh, I mean, yeah. we feel so honored to have, you know, guests like, guests you, like on you on the show. Well, Dude. thank you. Who have been some of your favorite guests? Well, the game changer guests, I would say, and I can tell you have your own show because we already know that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what the game changer guests for our show, I believe, was the first two months. Um, I got an email from a PR company saying, we'd like six artists on your show. And I looked at the list and one of them was Anna Christina Cash. And she was the game changer because I was like, I wonder if she's part of the Cash family. So I looked her up and I saw that she was married to John Carter Cash, which was Johnny Cash's and June Carter Cash's son. So we got on the show because of her. We got Carlene Carter on the show. We got Jenny Gill on the show. We got Taylor Lynn on the show. Um, we got so many of your legends kids on the show that it's solidified that we're a real show. That's awesome. And that, and that led to other guys. And then that led Randy to Andy Travis, Travis Sarah That's Evans. One of my Amazing. And then we decided to try this whole acting side, and I end up with Ed Asner. We were honored to have Ed Asner on the show. <laughs> Amazing. So, so it, it's it's been a crazy journey to get here. And last week, the Latrell family and Brian Latrell that From was the one of my Boys. favorites. They were awesome. But we just sit here like we're just two normal people, no fame behind us. No money behind us. Um, just decided to pull out a laptop Last and week. a phone and see what happens. Yeah, that's 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 what's possible nowadays. And you know what's crazy about what's going on in Hollywood is the democratization of who gets to play in in the world of acting. Whereas before, it was like the six major studios and the five TV networks that had a chokehold on who got to act, who got to have their shows on TV. And now there's what, like 500 channels on cable 
and there's YouTube. There's so many opportunities for up and coming actors to create their own content, to mm -hmm. be discovered. Mm -hmm. Justin Bieber was discovered on YouTube, just playing yeah, yep. in right. his, his bedroom. So there's a lot of really amazing opportunity more so now than ever for people to get discovered. If you just love what you do and you do it for the purposes of, of just the love of putting out great music or the love of sharing a positive impact on the world, you will get noticed. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And, and, you know, speaking of all this, um, as you know, a lot of people, they try to get into the acting business, entertainment business, and they, and they see the glory of your Blake Shelton's, of your Brad Pitt's out there. Sure. But they don't see the grind, the sacrifice, the tears, the struggles that it takes not just to get to your level and their level, but even a career level within the entertainment world. And I always want to talk about that side of it because I think it's one of the most glossed over areas of entertainment. Mm -hmm. People think it's going to be easy. It's going to be this and that, but you've got to grind. You've got to sacrifice. So let's talk a little bit about that. What are some of the sacrifices and maybe struggles that you've went through to get to where you are today? Good question. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it's tricky because whenever I have come home and I've complained to my parents I'm like oh mom dad it's so hard you know like I can't I can't get an acting job and they're like yeah but you chose this and I'm like yeah but like wow. it's still hard yeah. like you know so it's hard to like like no one put a gun to my head and said okay you got to be an actor but at the same time when you care about something you're passionate about something it is frustrating when you don't know when your next job is going to be you've got to juggle finding income and whether mm -hmm. that's waiting tables, which I've done, building mm -hmm. furniture, which I've done, um, oh, trying wow. to figure out like uh, how to survive out in Los Angeles, where I only knew one person when I first moved out there. Wow. And um, sacrificing my family being here in Chicago, um, missing birthday parties and graduations. And so sacrificing a lot of family time, a lot of family experiences. And then just watching my friends after we both graduated from college, watching my friends who went off into business or medical school or law school. And as they started to progress in their career, started getting married, started having kids and started yes. taking vacations. They're like, Hey, Colin, why don't you come join us in Colorado? We're going skiing this weekend. And I'm like, well, I've got $10 in my bank account and uh, I don't know when my next acting job is going to be. Um, but they're like, dude, but I saw you like in that movie with so-and-so. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was fun. It was great. But um, I already lived off of that money. And, um, I, you know, so it's the the uncertainty that really can really get to, to people. Um, so what I, what I talk about in my acting class is it's not just training on the, the craft and the art of acting, mm -hmm. but it is getting a firm – understanding and an idea of what is your business plan going to be as an actor with you as the CEO of your own company. Mm -hmm. And that's something that it took me quite a while to kind of grasp and learn. Cause when I went out to Hollywood for the first time, I didn't, I didn't know anything. So I met the <laughs> agents and they're like, well, just do this and go to the audition. And then the manager says, well, do this and do this. And I'm like, yeah, but, 
maybe I want to do this TV show. Maybe I want to do this. No, you don't want to be doing that. That's, that's sci-fi. That's like, that's for like nerds and things. You want to be doing this. And, and wow. the problem was wow. I, I listened to who I thought were the experts. Mm. And I didn't trust my instincts yeah. Um, yeah. and trust what I was feeling about a certain situation. So I, I stumbled and failed a lot just trying to figure out the whole Hollywood game until I started to realize that there really is no rules. There's no rhyme or reason for how you get jobs. It really comes down to creating and maintaining great relationships with the people that you work with. Yep. It is showing up with a sense of how can I, how can I provide value to whoever it is that I've worked with? Cause a lot of people will come up to me like, Hey, can you introduce me to your agent? I need an agent or Hey, wow. like, how did you do this? How can I get on a TV show? How? And if you, it's like going into a, walking into a party and the first thing you out of your mouth is, Hey, where's the food? Where's the beer? <laughs> hey, like, where's the entertainment? Like, and it, 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 what really ingratiates people is if you show up with like, show up with your, your gift, show up with the food, show up with the, the bottle of wine. What can you provide to the people that you're meeting in your community so that they know that you are someone who is not just thinking about, well, not just self-serving, but it really is providing value and asking how, like, how can I help you? What is there some, how can I, what is there something that I can help you with? I would go to my, my meetings. I would sometimes they call meet and greets with these producers. And mm -hmm. I, I, I went and met with the, uh, the VP of casting at Warner brothers. Mm -hmm. It was a Friday afternoon. I stopped and got a six pack of Corona and I went into her oh, office wow. and what normally would be like a five or 10 minute, Hey, where are you from? I'm calling. I'm from Chicago. You know, I'd like to be in movies. Okay, great. See you later. Brought walked in there with the six pack of Corona. Like two <laughs> hours later, we were like best friends. She invited me to come into <laughs> like audition for all these different things that I would have never have been able to audition for. Um, and then Warner Brothers was the movie that ended up picking up something borrowed and wow. distributing it. So it's all those little things that can add up to when you approach life and when you show up with the attitude of gratitude, the attitude of how can I be of service? How mm -hmm. can I help you? Then it really does come back to you um, in the sense that if you help people fulfill on what they want, it, it give you what you want. Back and you'll get that phone call from someone and they will always remember that you were someone who made them feel different than everyone else. Well, and you know, that, that's like with us, with the show, you know, we sacrifice too. We got a family, we got a little boy and a little two-year-old daughter and a nine-year-old boy. And yes, we, and, and, a side job. and we got a side, we, we deliver food in the evening so that we can stay afloat yes. right now while we build this brand. And then we value our PR company um, friendships that we oh, have. Oh, they're so we develop the yeah. and And the funny thing about it, when we first launched, I'll be honest, and, and I joke with them a lot of times. I hated PR companies. I thought, I was, like, yes, why, I was like, why can't I just go to the person? I didn't understand how it works and yeah, why it, I really didn't understand why it worked this way. 
And I understand it now. Now it's like if a person doesn't have a PR company, I almost don't want to bring them on the show because we get better quality people. Yeah, they're so much better prepared. They're on time. They're ready to talk. Ready to speak. And, and, and so it's, but we've developed a lot, a lot of these friendships. And, and we always thought we would only have Nashville PR companies that we love. And now we've got LA PR companies that we love that send us people all the time. And we're just sitting here like, oh, this is crazy. <laughs> but we love it. Yeah. Yeah, you can surprise yourself if you just if you just let down your preconceived notions about stuff. Because a lot of people are like, "Well, I could never do that. I could never be an actor. I could never do what you're doing." Who said you couldn't? Why not? The only person that is placing the limitations on what you can do is yourself. Oh it's God, crazy like how we can self sabotage ourselves. And that's why I've been a big listener of Tony Robbins and all these other motivational speakers. Cause when I went out to Hollywood and I was going into these auditions mm -hmm. I would walk into the, the room and I'd be like, Oh crap, there's that actor from that TV show. Oh, there's that actor from that show. And oh, there's Leonardo DiCaprio. Like why the hell am I here? Why the hell would they hire me? And after going through the audition process for like time and time again, I realized the only thing that was holding me back was, me walking into the audition with the energy of, oh, I'm not going to get this job. Why would you pick me? And people can wow. pick up on your energy. People yeah. can sense how you show up in a room. Within the first two seconds of you walking into a room, people can know. identify whether or not you think you have a chance of getting the audition or getting the role. And that goes for anything in life. If you show up yeah. on a date, you know, in the first few seconds of showing up on a date, if you are unsure of yourself and if you, you're what we call in the acting world subtext, because uh, what our thoughts are, as we're saying the words, speaks more volumes and communicates more to an audience than what you actually say. 7% of what we what we communicate and how people receive our communication is what we say, like the, the words, the way we say it. 3% uh, so of or 7% of communication is verbal. 93% of the communication that we put out into the world is how we say it. And the way in which it's our, um, body language, our way of being, our body language, and our energy when we yeah. show up to say it, and so that's why when you turn on any like old, watch any old Marlon Brando movie, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and he just kind of mumbles and talks. <laughs> Half the time, you don't even understand what he's saying, but mm -hmm. he's just he's so energetically connected to right. his essence and to his his core of who his character is that you're just like you're magnetized to watching him on screen because you can't take your eyes off of him. And it's all because it's how he's showing up and how he's saying his communication rather than what he's saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. like I listen, we listen to about an hour of motivational stuff. Thank God for YouTube. It helps us out. We're um, like yesterday, one of my faves is coach Payne. I'm, I'm sure you've heard of him, but, and, and, no. and, but you should look him up. He does a whole thing. 
because his whole thing is based on you got to go through the pain to get to that success. So mm. everything is about pain and driving through it. And he's really great. Yeah. But, they, but he calls himself Coach Pain uh, for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you learn more from pain and and disappointment. And I don't necessarily call it failure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I call it more of uh, – what can I learn from this experience, even though it didn't work out? Yep. Uh, mm-hmm. And you learn more from the experiences of when things didn't work out than when it's smooth sailing. Oh, definitely. So um, when you did your very first audition, how did that go? Oh, I, my body felt like <laughs> I was going to vomit and <laughs> I was my skin was crawling and it was just this out of body weird experience because the idea of someone judging me and deciding whether or not I was good enough to be in a certain position is a very disempowering experience. And it made me feel like I was back in sixth grade and I was in front of the class again and I was going to say something stupid. And even though I loved acting and I, it was fun in my acting class where I didn't feel the pressure of having to have the, having the pressure or the attachment to getting the job. What I started to go work with coaches and teachers about wasn't necessarily how to break down a character and how to act. It was how do I show up in my audition or in life in general from an empowered place of, I deserve to be here Mm -hmm. and I am, I deserve to, to, have this job because I've put in the work. I know I'm talented and it's those little like mindset, little shifts Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. take a while because of years of programming of, I just, I want to be a good boy. I want to fit in. I want mom and dad. I want to fit in. So I don't want to like, I don't want to get beat up by the bully at school. So I'm going to stay small and like, don't open my mouth and say something stupid. And that years of years and years of that programs our nervous system to stay small and have a self-identity about ourselves that is small. And what my acting teachers would just be like, get out of your head. Stop thinking. <laughs> like a lot of these exercises were designed to just get us out of our heart, out of our heads, into our hearts and get connected to the, our passion of what it is that we love about life, because when you're connected to what you're passionate about, it shows. you don't care what people think it about shows. you. Just you go for it. You know, you just when a football player is when a running back has the football and he's like <laughs> his, his mission, his focus is go. to get that ball into the end zone. He yes, doesn't care if someone is watching him and be like, wow. <laughs> Look at his shoulder pads. Look how silly they like. He's like, I'm getting this ball into the end zone because yeah, I love this game and I want to help my teammates win. And when you, what I realized was I was going into these auditions. My focus was on, do they like me? Are they going to like me? How do I look? How do I sound? And when we show up in life from that place of self-consciousness, we're dead in the water. But if you make what it is that you are up to in life more about, again, 
how can I help this casting director find the best actor for this job? And things like my, te my acting teachers would say, your job is not to get the job. Your job is to go into that audition and help that casting director find the best actor for that job. It may be you, but the only way that that's going to happen is if you show him that you are there to serve the character, you're there to serve the director, the producer, because when you show up with a plate from a place of open heart and a place of service, people get to see the real you and then they can decide, you know what? He was awesome, but he, little things like he was awesome, but he doesn't look like the brother that we've already cast in the role, but uh, yes. we're going to remember Colin for our next production. And that has happened where they've called my agent up and said, Hey, you just got cast in a, in a movie. I'm like, what movie? I didn't audition. And they said, yeah, <laughs> they remembered, they remembered you, you. that audition you did before. And they just really liked who you are and what you did in the room and you just you made an impression on them that's that like i remember we were listening to bobby bones show and he was he was telling the story of one of his employees and he said that she when he she first come for the interview he didn't hire her for the job but it was like a year later he remembered something she did i think a thank you note that nobody does and he hmm. remembered that and when he was ready for a new position he hired her on the spot Yep. It's those little things, those little things that make all the difference. And you got to be careful too with other people. Um, because like I recently had somebody, I thought this was kind of funny. Um, but somebody actually told me cause they know that we have big dreams and we want the show to eventually be like a Bobby Bones or Ty Bentley or Kelly Clarkson show, big interview show. And I actually had someone private message me. So, oh, if you, you want this big, you're in this for the wrong reasons. You might as well quit now because um, all you're going to do is hurt everybody. And I'm, I'm sitting there like, so in other words, an actor can dream big. An artist can dream big. An athlete. An athlete can dream big. A business owner can dream big. But a show host can't in his eyes. Crazy. That's stupid. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but it was fun. I mean, uh, I don't remember what I said back to him, but it didn't bother me because I'm like, you know, again, you're not going where we're going. So it yeah. doesn't matter to me. If you've got constructive criticism, I'll listen, you know. But again, if you're not pouring into us already, I'm probably not going to listen to your constructive criticism. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's funny how everyone has an opinion on how wrong it is. But if you ask them, well, what would you do if you were in the position to be able to do something about it? Well, I don't know, but what's happening is just stupid. It's like, well, if you don't have a solution to the problem, you're part of the problem. Oh, yes. You know, and it's, Again, people hide behind social media and it's easy for people to just write all kinds so, of comments. And one of the one of the best pieces of advice one of my my first acting teacher gave me was her name was Jackie Siegel, this really old school theater trained actress. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. she she would stop us and she'd be like, What are you doing? What are you doing? Like, wh why are you here? I'm like, we're like well, we want to be actors. No, you don't want to be an actor. You just want people to like you. 
If you didn't, <laughs> you wanted to be an actor, you would be putting your heart and soul into this and be like, and just throw said, it in. <laughs> she said, here's the thing. I'm just going to tell you right now, not everyone is going to like you. So you might as well give up that notion that you have to show up at the theater and that everyone is going to like you. She said, 30% of the people that watch your performance and show up and see you, they're just, they're going to like you. They're going to like how you look, how you sound, whatever. They're just going to like you for whatever reason. She said, the other 30% of people in the world are not, they're going to hate you. You, you are not going to be able to, you're going to remind them of their ex husband. You're going to say something that it could be like the most eloquent speech and they're going to find something just to criticize something. There's just going to be something that you're going to annoy people about. And then the other 40% of people in the world aren't going to care. They don't care. Either way. Right. So stop trying to please everyone and make everyone like what you do. It's better to just focus on what you love mm -hmm. and the people that love you are going to find you. And those are going to be your yep. people. Yes. The only way you're going to be successful in life is if you just focus on your, your, your brand of what you love doing, yep. those people will show up, but just know that most of the people out there in the world aren't going either not going to like you or they're not going to care. So stop yeah. making yourself so significant. Stop trying to do it the right way because there's no right way of doing anything, especially in acting and just show up. And when you are doing something that you love, you can do it a thousand million ways mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. what's compelling is the the energy that you bring to something when you love what you do, your passion for whatever it is that you do. That's what we fall in love with. And whenever yeah. I, yeah. I talk to some of my younger acting students, I'll ask like, and I'll even ask you like, what is, what's your favorite movie? Mine would probably be, if I had to think of all the movies, it would be probably Rudy. Rudy. Yeah. And but, what did you and, like? So the character Rudy Great movie. Uh, what did you like about Rudy? And let me ask you this: Did you did you have a tear in your eye at the end of the movie like I did? Oh, I'm a I'm a crier. Anyway. Oh, he is. <laughs> I, he is in a, a Hallmark, a Hallmark commercial. commercial, and I'm in tears. Yeah. But yeah, I did, and it's like what I liked about Rudy is you know I've always been the underdog all my life. I've always been the outcast. I've always been told you'll never do nothing, you never do that, you never do this. And so here it is. You got this guy that gets out there. Everybody's against him. Every All the odds are against him. And even though he didn't do it at the level he wanted to eventually do it, he still had that one play that they cannot take from him. Mm -hmm. And but but he did not give up because anything that has a not giving up story turns mm -hmm. me on because that's what I want to see the underdog that gets out there that nobody believed could do anything. Yeah. And they make it the David reverse Goliath. Story. Yeah. Yeah. And so what happens is we we end up falling in love with characters that show grit and courage and determination and passion about what they do. We don't fall in love with people for how they look or 
how big their lips are or how big their breasts are. You know, like a lot of people, especially in Hollywood, I see how they try to just, you know, with the plastic surgery and the, because they think that that is what people are going to find attractive. And attraction only lasts for a little bit. What sustains a relationship or what sustains anything is you're, when you fall in love with someone and love is you fall in love with someone based on who they are, not what they look like. Mm, that's true. Yeah. So yeah. true. I love that. Um, so as you know, a lot of people, they see you as the actor, but they don't see the teams behind you. And in our opinion, the teams never, get the love that they really they deserve. And they're so important. And they're so important because as they say, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village for any career. Um, so if you want to take a few moments also, to just tell us about the team that helps you be who you are. Yeah, that's so true. Um, you've got your agent. Uh, your agent is your, you're basically your, your, your champion who's constantly speaking on your behalf and trying to trying to uh, get you into the room and and sell the producers and the studios that you are right for the role. And uh, these agents, it is a up at dawn, reading scripts till two o'clock in the morning. It is a very thankless job because they just work their butts off. And there's a lot of pressure on these agents when they show up in their staff meetings, okay, what did your clients book? How much money did your clients make this month? How much this, how many did you, it's a very numbers driven game. And so the agents have to contend with meeting the numbers because it is show business. Yeah. But then also managing the relationships, the relationship of the clients. And a lot of us clients were artists. So we're like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't want to do this audition. And so they're constantly like talking us off the ledge and like, no, you can do this. You're a great actor. Remember that movie you did and remember, just do that, you know? And, and so <laughs> the agent is the one that is reading the scripts and trying to get you into, to get the job. The manager then is the one that once you, they help negotiate some of the deal, but once you get the job, they make sure that, everything is coordinated so that when you, you know, that the hotel and the, the, everything is taken care of. And if there's any problems on set with any of the other actors or the director, you can call your manager and say, Hey, listen, um, you know, I, uh, I didn't feel that, um, you you know, whatever it is that is like the issue on set, your manager is the one that can go to bat for you and just kind of handle all that stuff. Then you have your lawyer, you have your PR person, your PR agent obviously is trying to get you publicity and into on the red carpet and all that stuff. Uh, then you've got, if you want to go to these premieres, you've got a wardrobe stylist who you want to make sure that you look good. Then you've got the makeup artist, you've got the hair person, you've got it's a village. Um, the yeah. acting teacher. Sometimes your acting teacher will come on set or like the voice coach. When I was on the client list with Jennifer Love Hewitt, it was set in Texas. So I had to learn how to have a Beaumont, Texas accent. <laughs> so it's like, it's kind of like that. All right. All right. Matthew McConaughey, like East <laughs> Texas. And East Texas is different from West Texas. And it's oh, different. Wow. Georgia. You know, Georgia's got that little more of a Southern drawl to it. Mm-hmm. So 
there, you've got all these different people that are, you know, contributing to the actor that when they show up on that Academy Award stage to receive their Academy Award, that's why they're thanking so many people and, because it does, it literally takes a village. And, you know, speaking of teams, we have a third co-host, our little nine-year-old son. Sandy's going to go get him. We let him ask a few questions on each episode. And we've got a two-year-old daughter that when she gets older, she'll be plugged into the show, too, because we are a family affair. Awesome. I can't imagine not having it any other way. Yeah, that's great. I've got seven nieces and nephews myself, so. Oh, so big family. Yeah. <laughs> but um, tell us a crazy story that happened on an audition while waiting for them. Well, I once auditioned to play. Uh, oh, there he is. Yeah. Uh, hi, Colin. How you doing? What's your name? Uh, my name is Christopher. Christopher, how you doing today? Doing good. So, what's your favorite food? My favorite food. Yes. That's a really good question. I would say my favorite food is uh cheeseburgers but i gave up eating meat a year and a half ago oh wow so i eat plant-based foods and i eat fish so have you ever had uh the impossible burger uh no i haven't you should check it out it's actually it tastes identical to like a regular cheeseburger wow and uh i would say cheeseburgers i i love pizza i love tacos uh and i love spaghetti because what's yours mine is pizza pizza what do you like on your pizza uh i like a pepperoni sausage and the supreme nice awesome (laughs) and uh and what grade are you going into uh uh third third going into fourth and do you have an idea of what you want to do when you get older? Uh, uh, what do you think you want to be? What do you think? I don't know. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah. That's cool. to yes. <laughs> do you think maybe you want to be a uh, a TV reporter or a talk show host? I, I think that's what I want to be. Yep, like what we do. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Setting him up, right? Yeah. Yeah. That'd be, yeah. You. I mean, you could... Start doing your own talk show right now. That's what's so amazing about all of this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So uh, what's your favorite TV show? Good question. Um, the TV show that I'm watching right now is called Ted Lasso. And it's mm-hmm. with Jason Sudeikis. And he plays a football coach. And he gets hired to go to England and coach Ooh. an English soccer team. Wow. And so he has no idea about soccer, but he's a really good coach and he's got a really great view on how to deal with people, how to manage all these different personalities. And he's, uh, he's really funny and he's super inspiring. Uh, and what's yours? Mine, mine is SpongeBob. SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes. And, and it's been pretty cool. Because yeah. we've been able to bring on a lot of people from Nickelodeon onto our show. So he's been able to talk to characters that he loves. Oh, nice. Nice. Yes. And what do you what do you like about the show? Hmm. What's your favorite part? Uh, every, uh, 
I don't know. <laughs> I think you like the humor, huh? Yeah. He likes the humor. Yeah. He loves Patrick the most. Yes. Well, I have to I have to confess, I've never actually seen an episode. <laughs> wow. Uh, and the Patrick Star Show is coming up in July. Yeah, they're doing a spinoff for Patrick now. Okay. <laughs> okay, so what's your favorite movie? My favorite movie... I really like I I really like Gladiator with Russell Crowe. Have you ever seen that? Uh no, I haven't. It's really cool. Wow. Really cool. Um I also like a movie called Dead Poet Society. Hmm. And it's about these high school kids who are learning how to become adults and wow. learning about what they love in life and learning about poetry and just how to uh, how to make the most out of life. It's a really really wow. great movie. Hmm. Yours. Mine is the Minions movie. The Minions and what do the Minions do? Hmm. Uh, they just <laughs> they started fun. out as yeah, evil. They started out as evil at the very beginning, though. Remember? Oh, yes. right. The Despicable, the, the Despicable Me, me and Despicable Me Two and all that. Hmm. But they ter eventually turned to be good evil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They still awesome. like to be edgy, but they are doing it for the good now. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yes. Bye. Thanks. All right, Christopher. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Yeah, he he loves to be on this show, and you know who knows what you know. We keep thinking, you know, where our show's going and all that, and we're like, you know, who knows? Maybe it's going to be the connections that we make for our kids down the road. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, he's really cute. Thank oh, you. thanks. And what would you like your legacy to be? What would you ultimately like to be known and remembered for? Great question. I would like to be known as uh, someone who inspired people to be their best, to love their best, to um, to fulfill on their dreams, and to uh, to just know that. Um, you're good enough with who you are and uh, and once you just focus on the things that you love to do and focus on doing good in the world that uh, that that's where your true passion is and your true happiness lies and uh, and I think sometimes people just need some reassurance and re you know some encouragement and uh, reminding of, of, you know, what's, what's important in life. And it's not just about, it's not about the glitz and the glamor and how much money you make. It really comes down to what impact you've made in the world. And uh, that's, that's what I'm, I'm dedicated to. Yeah. Our PR friend, Emily says she's oh, excited yes. to read your book. So it looks like it'd be a great tool for media training. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot of great things in it that, um, are very practical to uh, take into your daily life. So this is what it looks like. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're actually going to be well joining in Nashville out. next spring. Uh, you know, they got these 40 under 40 events and 30 under 30 events. Well, there's nothing for our generation. So we're going to put on the very first 40 over 40 charity event. Awesome. And she's going to be our PR person specifically for the event. 
so excited about that. Awesome. 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 Uh, she already ordered it. Yeah. All right, Emily. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs> so you were going to tell us a crazy audition story oh, earlier. Yes, please so do. Tell us yeah. Um, so there was, a, I had an audition to play a waiter and in one of the scenes, I am, uh, I'm trying to ask the girl waitress in that I'm working with. I I'm trying to impress her. I'm thinking about like how to ask her out on this date and <laughs> you know, in restaurants, they have the, the swinging door that goes back and forth. Okay. Yeah. So in the audition, I have to, I'm like thinking, okay, I'm asking like, all right, Julie, you know, I'm like, okay, I'm going to say, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to ask her out. And I have to pretend like I'm walking into the door. And as I'm walking mm -hmm. through a waiter comes walking through and the door swings the other way and he's carrying a big tray of food and oh, it's supposed yeah. to spill all over on top of me. So here's my stupid idea. I'm like, Oh, well, maybe it would be funny if actually in the audition, I like brought some spaghetti noodles that I cooked up and I'll throw those spaghetti noodles on my head, like <laughs> in the middle of the audition. And then maybe the casting director will think that I'm funny and that like he'll, he'll book me because of that. And so I walked into the audition with this plastic Ziploc bag mm -hmm. of noodles that I cooked <laughs> in my kitchen before I went into the audition. And uh, I'm holding this bag of noodles and I've got my script in this hand and he's like, okay, are you ready? I'm like, yep. And he's like, hold on. What is that? And I'm like, Oh, this, Oh, this is uh, this is just my, my bag of noodles. He's like, yeah, what do you, what is that for? He's like, Oh, I was, I was going to use it in the scene. He's like, yeah, no, don't do that. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you, you don't what, No, just, do the scene. Just do and, it. Just do it. So I, you know, I, I did the scene and it it was I, I was I was horrible. I was basically long story short, um I realized that I was trying to use gimmicks and tricks uh, to cover up my lack of talent. And so <laughs> I realized that uh very quickly that there's uh there's no substitute for putting in the hard work to just yeah. get better at what you're doing. Um and that way you can show up more confident when you show up in your auditions. And so that was my, uh, one of my like stupid, crazy wow. ideas. And our buddy Joe said, uh, good interview that you, you're fun and knowledgeable guest. Yes. We well, agree. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. So tell us that. about your podcast. Yes. Real so, quick. Yeah. I do a, uh, a talk show on, uh, on Monday nights. It's live. It's called coffee with Colin. Uh, if you want to watch any of the episodes, they're available on YouTube. You can uh, just go to YouTube and, and watch them there. Um, I've done three seasons so far. And oh, wow. what I like to talk about is I interview a lot of my actor friends. Oh, wow. um, mm -hmm. Josh Alexander, who I worked with on Rizzoli and Isles. Uh, last week, I interviewed Brooke Burke, the oh, wow. uh, you know, celebrity health and fitness mm -hmm. trainer. Uh, Topher Grace from that 70s show. I've interviewed some Olympic athletes. I've interviewed some professional football players, uh, some real estate people. And basically what I talk about, what I ask about is what, what has inspired them to do what they do? What has contributed to their success? What are the challenges that they've overcome in pursuit of whatever it is that they're doing? And what advice would they give to people who are looking to 
to get into whatever wow. field or just in general, uh, any advice on how to be a better parent or, you know, a better uh, human being, whatever it is that they feel compelled to talk about. I love that. So what's next for you? And you can end by telling people how they can reach out to you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you guys for having me here. Appreciate the opportunity. And uh, it's lovely to, uh, to get to know you guys. Uh, what's next for me is I am producing a couple of different TV shows. So I've now gone from acting into producing side of things. Oh, wow. um, and, you know, with, with anything else out there in life, it just, it's about putting the right team together yeah. and putting the pieces together. So my team and I, we, we, uh, we've got our script and we've, we're now pitching to networks. Um, so, you know, fingers crossed something will happen with that. Um, I'm working on my next book. And I am also, uh, I've created this uh, online. Well, two weeks ago, I, I started it online. It's called the Inspire Summit. And oh, wow. it basically, it was six hours of uh, motivational speakers, thought leaders. We did some yoga. We did some meditation. I had a friend of mine who uh, is a chef. Uh, he made this healthy, uh, low sugar dessert. And so we're going to be doing our first live in-person uh, Inspire Summit here in Chicago oh, wow. in October. Oh, wow. So this will be an opportunity for people to come and, and connect and hear some, uh, some knowledge about how to live your best life. And, and um, I'm going to invite people up on stage and share with them how to become better communicators, better speakers. We do some scenes from All My Children, the soap opera oh, wow. with oh, – with Susan Lucci and just an overall fun and inspiring weekend of uh, community and connection and inspiring people to be their best self. So Joe asked what kind of coffee you drink with your podcast, man. <laughs> I, I love dark roast, dark Italian, dark French roast. And um, with a little bit of oat milk and that's, that's pretty much how I, how I like my coffee. Love that. Awesome. And you know, yeah. we really enjoyed having you on the show today and we look forward to having you back down the road. Awesome. I appreciate it. All my best to you guys and uh, keep up the great work. We appreciate oh, it. Thanks. You have a great appreciate day. It. All right. So you too. Take care.